Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is Make It Kind. Make It Kind. M I P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Make It Kind. Get woke. Once again, it's Thursday. That means it's time for the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoach.com, the founder of one of the largest sample size polling operations there is civics with a q.com and the host of the largest podcast the beat <laughs> the brief the brief i wish it was uh, um <laughs> folks uh, be sure to download the brief wherever you get your podcast marcos joins us for thursday coast how are you buddy doing good i'm liking your your uh new glasses and they match your shirt nicely do you have different colors for different color shirts i don't I know. This is my second pair of blue glasses. I had a, uh, well, I tell you, actually what happened, I had another pair I had for years. But I guess glasses now, like iPhones, you have to upgrade them. They won't put, replace the lenses on them. They, the, the eye doctor said, no, I'm not going to do that. My optometrist, you got to get new lenses. So they made me get new lenses for new, with new frames. Couldn't put new, new lenses in old frames. Right. Uh, so I got these. These were close to my other ones. But then I found an, another, uh, optometrist that would put new lenses in my old friends. So I actually have two pairs of my old blue glasses and my new ones. So I just switch them up. But no, if I just I just had blue glasses. And I remember when I first got blue glasses over 11 years ago, people said, who wears blue glasses? Nobody wears blue glasses. Now everybody wears blue glasses. So Yeah, yeah I, I got it. <laughs> uh, but no, not for every no, not for every outfit. I don't I don't go that far. Uh, but now I have, I've never had two pairs of glasses at once either, which actually is smart because the other pair I, I wear when I fall asleep watching the TV and they mm. fall apart sometimes. So ah, that's, right. and, and these, these I just keep kind of safe. But yeah, man, a lot going on, of course. Marcos and I were just talking, you know, we, we try to talk about the things that are most current in politics. And obviously one of the most current issues is this infrastructure bill. But by the time you hear this, who knows what might be going on? But just if, if there's a way to kind of break down the politics for our audience the progressives want infrastructure plus build back better or else they're not going to vote for infrastructure at the time marcos and i are talking it appears that that vote which would be scheduled for today thursday may actually not happen probably won't but that's really the, the crux of the matter isn't it that and even bernie has encouraged progressives in the house not to vote for it 
because it, it the, the current infrastructure bill without the Build Back Better is not what the people need, what the people were promised. You need the bridge, you need the physical infrastructure, you need the human infrastructure. That's really the issue, isn't it? Yeah, broadly speaking, but even more tactically speaking, there was a deal made right. because when the original bipartisan deal was negotiated, originally Democrats were like, let's just get everything into one bill. But Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema wanted Republicans to be part of the process. So that crew whittled everything down to a trillion dollar budget that was literally maybe a couple hundred billion dollars more than what would have otherwise been the case if you just kept up the existing funding. And worse than that, they actually cut out a lot of, for example, traditionally, I think the split is 80-20, 80% roads, 20% public transit. They actually even whittled that down and made it even more heavy towards roads, just car infrastructure. So the deal was progressors like, yeah, no, nah, we're not into this. And so the deal was, okay, we're going to do a second infrastructure bill that's going to have those progressive priorities. And to get progressive votes, we're not going to do a final vote on the hard infrastructure bill, the $1.5 trillion bill, until we vote on this other bill too. So it's going to be a package deal. That was the deal. That's why progressives moved and voted originally for the hard infrastructure bill. Now, people like Kirsten Sinema, Joe Manchin, and a bunch of House a-hole uh, Democrats are trying to renege on that deal to say, no, we want to vote on that, and then we'll talk about this other bill. And we all know there's no way in hell that Cinema Mansion and those are going to actually be interested in any kind of additional infrastructure spending on things like public transit right. and immigration reform and green technologies and none of those things. I, I think that's the bill that's going to include a permanent child tax credit. These are things that are investing. It's a human infrastructure. It's a Build Back Better agenda. It's, it's Biden's signature campaign promise is in that $3.5 trillion bill. There is no way that Mansion Cinema are going to be interested in that. So there is a standoff now where, where for whatever reason, and I still don't understand why, I don't know if anybody does, Pelosi agreed to demand from those House conservative pro-business Democrats to have a vote on the original bill. This breaks the original deal. So House progressives are saying like, yeah, no, we're not voting for this. It could still pass with the Republican votes, but weirdly, and again, I don't understand why, Republicans are whipping against that hard infrastructure bill too. And so if Pelosi pulls it today, it's because just the votes aren't there and this thing's going to fail anyway. And then they're not going to go through the, through the empty motion of a bill that nobody seems to want except maybe six you know, 10 House pro-business Democrats. Now, on the other side, you have Cinnamon Manchin saying that, no, we're not going to support this $3.5 trillion Build Back Better bill. They don't say why, though. They're, they're just, oh, it's just too much money. But they're, they're not actually sitting there like penciling out the things that they disagree with. This is just as BS, quote, moderate attempt to seem that you're not, that you're, you're in the middle by saying, oh, Republicans want zero. Democrats want $3.5 trillion. So let's make it $2 trillion. That shows how reasonable I am. Now, some, some progressives like uh, Rep. Jayapal have actually made a good suggestion. They've said, okay, instead of cutting back the number of programs, let's just cut it in half the years. Instead of a 10-year program, let's just make it five years. And then that, that cuts the price tag in half. Mm -hmm. And then you litigate this in the next two election cycles. 
and actually, um, uh, if we if we can't get the full ten year spending plan approved, you know, I guess that's the next best option. But this is really this vote really is about reneging on a deal that conservatives, conservative Democrats made with the progressive wing. And you know what? The the these these sort of pro business Democrats are used to conserve. Uh, they're used to progressives caving on these issues time and time again because it's right. sort of like, all right, you're going to go for nothing. I'm giving you something. The alternative right. is nothing. And progressives for the first time are saying, yeah, you know what? We get nothing. You get nothing. But guess what? You're in a competitive district. You have to show your voters that you delivered something. We're in safe districts. We're fine. We're going mm-hmm. to be okay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you're putting yourself at risk. And what's really fascinating, Mark, is that uh, Kristen Cinema has already been running ads and sending direct mail to ind- independent voters in Arizona bragging about the bipartisan bill having that passed and it hasn't passed, but she's been bragging about that. So if she sinks the broader deal, <laughs> she has actually just made obsolete her entire case for reelection, which is she can reach across party lines and, and get stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. Because without the bigger bill, nothing happens. More MIP after this message. They, well, no, at least Manchin had conversations with Biden this week. Well, let, let me let me let me ask it this way. Ellie Misto tweeted this of the nation dot com. Mansion and cinema are breaking with Biden because they expect no consequences for breaking with Biden. Republicans don't break from Trump because they expect severe consequences for breaking from Trump. So more and more people are asking this question. Why can't Biden get them to do what he needs them to do? Is, is that a fair question? Is that possible? Is there anything Biden could do? Well, I know what you suggested, but what you and I suggested about hooking up the coal miners, I mean, we're, we're just too idealistic, probably. But aside from that, for in, in, this, in this practical, political wisdom, beltway thinking context, is there nothing a president can do anymore in a situation like this? I mean, there's, there definitely is things he can do. Now, we don't know if it's happening. So just to be very clear, there have been no votes. Cinema and Manchin are talking a lot of crap we right. haven't actually had a vote and at times when we've needed their votes they've delivered them so on the on the original american rescue plan so that is still an ongoing process cinema was in the white house yesterday so they're doing their little song and dance and and not sure how that's gonna come out the consequences for cinema particularly not for mansion uh mansion's in a tough state and his re-election is doubtful in the best of circumstances at this point. It's a 40-point Trump state. Cinema, on the other hand, you know, we've been tracking her numbers, you know, at civics. Her approval rating amongst Democrats is now 17%. Jesus. And, you know, it's amazing. Everybody thinks the thumbs down on the minimum wage was what did it, right? And that knocked her down. That knocked her down from about 80% approval to about 65%. You know what knocked her down the rest of the way? And if it wasn't for civics, and we track daily, I never would have guessed. You know what it was? What? Skipping the vote on the January 6th uh, commission. Wow. Really? That one thing took her from about 60% approval rating down to 18. It was just, that was like the, people said, yeah, screw her. Democrats. And these and these all Democrats, not just Arizona ones, all Democrats. Democrat. No, no, Arizona mm-hmm. Democrats. Arizona. Oh, these are, Wow. Yeah. Now, the the catch is that in Arizona, 
no party preference are allowed to vote in either primary. So when I said she's sending mail to independent voters, it's because that's what she, that's how she thinks she will survive a Democratic primary is with independent voters. So she's messaging them heavily. But in her civics data amongst independent voters, she has a 25% approval rating, 65 disapproval. Nobody likes what she's doing. She thinks she's crafting herself up as the heir to to um, to uh, uh, what's his face, um, um, John McCain. She thinks she's being all John McCain. She's such a maverick. John McCain actually has a biography that bought him credibility, even with people like me who didn't like his politics. Cinema doesn't have that. It's not working. 18% approval rating amongst Democrats is utterly devastating. And I don't think you survive a Democratic primary, even if you could get a strong turnout amongst independent voters and if they liked her. But they don't like her. So nothing she's doing now is helping her. And I do not understand. She's got to have pollsters. They all have to be looking at the numbers. They all have to be wondering. They have to realize that what she is doing now isn't buying her any favors with anybody. There's nobody out there singing her praises. Nobody's like, wow, that cinema. She's she's really she's really representing Arizona. Nobody's saying that. Nobody, nobody, nobody. <laughs> and I don't understand how that leads her to dig in even deeper into this obstructionist attitude that she has instead of being now Mark Kelly, her her co-senator, just got there a couple he's been there months, right? He was elected last year. He's up for re-election again because it was a special election. His approval ratings with Democrats are like 85%. And, and in a sense, hard. in a sense, if they're both running at the same time, that doesn't help her either. I mean, he won't no, be she, running against her. No, no, then, no, no. She's, she's not running until 2024, unfortunately. Oh, okay, she's not next year. Okay, I got you. I got you. She's not. Yeah, the, yeah. I thought she was next year. But he has to run again in 2022. Mark Kelly's running again next year, yes. So does she think that you mentioned independence, reaching out to them. That's what she's doing. Is she thinking Republican, looking for Republican votes in a primary? No, she can't get Republican votes. So in Arizona, you have the, the two party primaries. If you're no party preference, you can choose one of the primaries to vote in. Oh, you have to be no party preference. Okay, I got you. Yeah. I got you. That's why she's okay. going for those those independents. For the independents. Okay, I thought I mean, I thought it was an open primary. The Republicans can vote in too. Okay, yeah. so it has to be. I got you. I got you. Yeah, but she's not even doing well with them. No, not even with them. Why would she? <laughs> I mean, right, right, this, right. this idea that you're going to split the you're going to split the baby. Um, I don't know where it began. It doesn't help anybody. It's it's not doesn't make rational sense. You're either for a program or you're against that program. That's fair. I don't, I don't want X program. Okay, good. So for example, Manchin saying, I want to means test free college. Okay. That's freaking stupid, but whatever. Okay. Means tested. We could strip out the means testing later. If, um, you know, college community college should be free for everybody. It should be just a thing. Wealthy people can go straight to Stanford. You know, they do what they're going to do anyway. But okay, that, that's fine. That's a policy disagreement. But this idea that we're going to take a billion dollar program and we're only going to support 500 million because we're in the middle. No, that doesn't put you in the middle. That does not put you in the middle. No, no The middle is the middle of public opinion. Build Back Better. I still think it's a stupid name, but whatever. Build Back Better polls <laughs> really well. The elements poll very well. One so, bread. For, for example, bread, 
drug <laughs> reimportation. Also, yeah, it's drug <laughs> reimportation. Build back better. Wonder bread. Come on, man. You 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 off you off message. Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, now again, does does Biden have the ability? I think I think Mansion is pretty much pressure proof because his state is is just a tough state. We've talked about it a million times. Right. We by all rights should not have a senator from from West Virginia. We're lucky that we have Joe Manchin, which is like a, the cringiest thing to say. It hurts my yeah. hurts my gut to say, but we're lucky to have Joe Manchin. Cinema, there's no excuse. And I'm not sure there's anything Biden can do at this point that the voters aren't ready to do as soon as she's up for re-election. I mean, the way Donald Trump threatens people is electorally. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Biden doesn't need to threaten cinema electorally. She's already doing, she's digging her own grave right now. More MIP after this message. Hey there, I'm Nadia Komodo. Check out my show, Tigress, which is basically my unfiltered and unapologetic journey of being a work in progress. Like, I hope that I am authentic and I try to be as unfiltered as I possibly can. I am so passionate about what I do, from talking about periods to wanting to build community around the cause to loving the business that I'm working on. Tune in each week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are streamed. Okay, you tweeted also about the parliamentarian. That's another area. Why are Senate Democrats so beholden to a parliamentarian that they can, can't they overrule the parliamentarian? Yeah, we talked about this last week, right? We didn't even know there was a par- parliamentarian <laughs> who made these right. decisions. And suddenly, because of the importance of reconciliation, I mean, this would all be not, this would all be wouldn't be an issue if it wasn't for um, the filibuster, right? You get rid of the filibuster, then everything's 50 plus. They're trying right. to stop put things into reconciliation and the parliamentarian gets to rule on whether something is appropriate for reconciliation, but you can overrule her. Simple vote. You don't even need 60. A simple vote can overrule the parliamentarian. And so Democrats are so, they think that they'll get brownie points by following certain rules. Now, reminder, this is the same parliamentarian that ruled that you could do a trillion dollar tax cut Donald Trump's trillion dollar tax cut that you could do that under reconciliation, even in claimed that was revenue neutral. And of course, we know we've got trillions in uh, deficit spending because of those tax cuts for billionaires. The same same parliamentarian, you could fire her. You can overrule her. There's different ways to handle somebody who clearly is at this point holding water for Republicans in a chamber that is already unfairly skewed towards Republicans and conservative interests. I mean, how many more institutional barriers can you pile on against progressive policy? And Democrats are like, well, we don't want to look unreasonable by being mean to the parliamentarian. I I don't know what they think is going to happen. Nobody will know. Nobody will care. People will either look at the policy and they'll say, "Okay, Democrats created a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. And they're either going to be happy about that or they're going to be angry about that. The parliamentarian's utterly irrelevant to that ultimate equation. And I don't know how Democrats think that having 50 plus votes, having a majority of the Senate vote for something could come back and bite them because of parliamentarian. Like if, if there's no logical reason to worry. Now, there is, I guess the one possible reason is that maybe Joe Manchin is saying that if the parliamentarian rules against it, he's, so you may have that consideration. So we may lose our majority our, you know, our 50 votes plus one if the, the parliamentarian doesn't like something. But 
this just shows you how important next year's elections are. And, and it's exhausting to always talk about the next year's election is the most important election. But we are where we are today. We can't even get a vote to, to raise a debt limit. We are where we are today because we have a 50-50 Senate. We have a possibility next year of gaining four seats. We have a real possibility of losing one, two, three seats. So we can go from minus three to plus four in the Senate. If we're, if we're in a minority, forget it. We're not even getting a Supreme Court justice at that point. If Stephen Breyer, something happens to Stephen Breyer. If we can get those four seats, it changes everything, right? Then you make, then you eliminate the filibuster. Manchin and Cinema can vote against Democrats and, and show how independent they are. And nobody will care at that point because they won't matter. In fact, it might be yeah. the best thing for them to be able to freely vote against Democratic priorities so they can <laughs> do whatever they think they need to do back home. Yeah, yeah. Dead ceiling. Where, I mean, is that just not going to move? Are they literally not going to do anything about that? They seem paralyzed, don't they, Mark? I mean, the Republicans were happy to vote for tax cuts that, you know, that did increase the debt. Mitch McConnell said, well, Democrats have to do it on their own. So then Chuck Schumer said, the Democratic leader said, okay, then don't object. And then we'll pass it with Democratic votes. So don't filibuster. Don't filibuster. And of course, Republicans are like, no, 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 we're going to filibuster. So it's not even like we want you to do it on your own. They're actively obstructing this. The reconciliation process would take like six weeks. The debt limit is over. You know, it's like three weeks where the debt limit expires. So now they're saying, yeah, it's, it's too late for that. They could have put it into the last reconciliation bill, the, the rescue plan. Why didn't they do that? Your guess is as good as mine. No freaking clue. Yeah. That would yeah. have been the obvious, easy solution. But right. no, they, they thought they could they could shame Republicans into into agreeing to raise it. And of course, <laughs> they have no shame. So what's left, Mark, the only thing I can think of is you kill the filibuster. That's like the only other option. Otherwise, we're going to default. And it's going to be, yeah, it's on Republicans for blocking it, but it's also on Democrats, too, for not eliminating the filibuster or putting the, that limit raise in the last reconciliation bill. I was in a meeting yesterday and, and speaking of reconciliation, and that's why the parliamentarian came back to mind, as you I've also probably heard, as many of our listeners have heard, you know, the, the policing bill is pretty much done. Tim Scott's pulled the rug out from under that. I don't know why people trusted him or worked with him in the first place. That didn't make any sense. But there was a member of Congress yesterday on the phone saying with some of us, saying to some of us, I mean, technically that could have been in reconciliation too, to deal with the policing issue. Uh, but everybody wanted to work with Tim Scott and everybody thought Tim Scott was going to do something and Tim Scott did nothing. Even some of the fraternal order of police organizations and police administrative organizations had to push back against his characterization that there was a, a demand to do some type of defund. And there wasn't. There was actually going to be money going into policing. And some of these organizations even acknowledged it uh, on social media. said, no, that's not true. There was, we were never asked to defund anything. We were going to get money. So, so he pretty much sabotaged everyone. This whole agenda, though, it, so j- just to be clear, I want to be sure I have this right. Now I'm second-guessing myself because I don't know if I have it right. Democrats, when it comes to the rule on the filibuster, the whole Senate votes or just the Democratic caucus in power? It's a 50 plus one vote. Okay. So it's the a, one. It's a majority of the chamber. So you'd need 50 Democrats and uh, Kamala Harris. And so the, the, what Manchin is holding over us is that he would not vote 
to either remove the filibuster or why can't they just do the carve out? Let's just okay. Let's just deal with voting rights. What if they they did it for the Supreme Court justices for the judges? Why can't they do a carve out for issues such as as voting rights? Why is he afraid to do that? We don't know. Because he, he keeps pretending that th- this is some failing in the Democrats' part that we don't have Republican support. Yeah, because he's still caught up in trying to do this other thing. Of, of yeah, what... yeah. Now, so, it's, so... it's his, most, the voting rights bill at this point, it's mostly his, right? And, and there's, a, there's still hope that he, since he wrote this thing, that maybe he'll finally agree to a carve-out on voting rights carve out on the on the debt ceiling you can do a carve out on anything it's a it's a majority vote it's just it's joe manchin and kirsten Sima time and time again for every one of these yeah because it otherwise it, the, the the country just it just fails to function without it nothing is getting done what are the consequences if they don't raise a debt ceiling the nation defaults on its debt people don't get paid we lose our credit rating borrowing costs go up interest rates go up uh I mean, it's pretty cataclysmic. So they probably think doing that, they could run on blaming, look, Joe Biden made our credit go bad. Is that what they're yeah. planning to do? Yeah. Now, there's there's a uh, there's an old blogger named Atrios who used to, uh, he's an economist, who used to right. talk about minting a trillion dollar coin. And um, <laughs> suddenly... I've seen it start cropping up in actually more mainstream circles, more mainstream um, economists and even some elected officials are just saying, okay, you're not going to raise the debt ceiling. We need money because the the debt ceiling is limited to how much debt the country has. Right. So I think it's at $18 trillion right now, something like that. So the treasury just mints five $1 trillion coins and boom, we're $5 trillion under the debt ceiling. Now you have 5 trillion new dollars circulating in the economy might that increase inflation? Possibly. Mm-hmm. You know, Econ 101 would suggest that it would increase inflation, but that would buy some time. But yeah, no, it's just Republicans trying to sabotage the economic recovery. They're always looking at how they can damage Joe Biden. And in fact, the reality is that it's working. Joe Biden's numbers have dropped quite a bit, particularly amongst independents, but even amongst Democrats too. And Republicans need... they. The, the lower the president's approval ratings, the better their chances are next year's midterm elections. So it is a, it is a, it, it's a political strategy. They don't care how much it affects Americans. Right. So right. Virginia elections upcoming. And we've been able to keep Virginia blue. Is it going to stay that way? <laughs> I hope so. I'm confident that we will. The, the entire General Assembly... The uh, House of Delegates, I think, that's what they call their lower house. The entire House of Delegates is up for re-election and the governor and other statewide races. Terry McAuliffe is back, which is, you know, speaking of wonder bread, but Terry McAuliffe is is back. (laughs) In Virginia, governors can't serve consecutive terms. So he was governor four years ago. Now he's trying to come back. He won his primary. He's trying to come back. Polling shows that the race might be tightening. But the state is pretty democratic, and I, I, I'm hoping that we're seeing another California where people were freaking out. But sure. it was a question of just motivating people to, to take the election seriously. The problem in Virginia is a problem in California. It's not that Republicans may have more, you know, that we may lose a debate of ideas. The danger is that it's 2019. 
Virginia, younger voters, voters of color, lower performing voters may not realize that, oh, shit, there's an election again this year because there's always an election in Virginia every single year. And because they had that weird, yeah. odd number of year election. And so they may not realize that that's what's happening. So it's just a question of educating voters that they need to turn out and vote. Because if they do that, we win. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna lose based on ideas. We're gonna if we lose, it's because our people don't turn out. Now everybody's watching this election in the political world, right? This is sort of considered a bellwether. So in two thousand nine after everybody was frustrated with Obama and the slow pace of the Affordable Care Act, Democrats got crushed in those Virginia elections. And then in 2010, we got crushed again. Um, and then we saw the reverse back in 2017. You know, Donald right. Trump was elected. 2017, right. 2016, Trump was elected. 17, Democrats swept everything in Virginia. And of course, we went ahead to, to win the 18 and the 20 elections. So... People consider Virginia a bellwether, and I don't know if it's really justified or if it's just um, coincidence, but since the D.C. press is right there, they just have to look across the border, right? You know, most of them probably live in northern Virginia, so it has outsized influence in how the narrative is shaped leading into next year in the way that if Democrats do well, it'll help with fundraising, it'll help with candidate recruitment, it may mean some Republicans in tough districts retire. So it actually has a lot of impact. If Democrats do poorly, the opposite. Some Democrats may retire. Republicans will will raise more money. They'll have better candidate recruitment. So it actually, it's important for Virginia for a million reasons, but it's also important nationally. And so I definitely want to urge anybody that is in the D.C. area, Virginia, Maryland, anywhere within driving distance to North Carolina, to a Virginia locale, might not be a bad idea to hook up with a GOTV, um, get out the vote operation and go help knock some doors and distribute literature and, and do the things we need to do on the ground to make sure people turn out and vote. And if anybody's interested, New Virginia Majority is a great organization to connect with. Had them on my podcast this week. They had people from Seattle fly out to wow. help out with GOTV. Uh, it's important, people. So anybody that's within striking distance of, of Virginia, and there's a lot of states up there. There's a, a lot of you live. That's that's the most populated region of the country. So a lot of you are within driving distance of Virginia. Seriously consider heading out there and helping out with Get Out the Vote for five weeks. As of now, five weeks. All right, folks, please do it. Everyone should know someone in Virginia or know someone who knows someone. So please do that. Also, check out The Brief wherever you get your podcast. You're all about it. As always, this has been Thursday Coast with Marcos Melissus. Thank you, Marcos. Thank you so much, everybody. Please stay safe. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.